Good. You got it now? Oh, how's that? Great. Well, in case you missed what I just said, let's pray together. And you know what? I'm asking the Lord this morning. This is his word. And, you know, we talk a lot about sermon preparation, and there is a lot to be done with sermon preparation. But let me tell you what. God's word needs no sermon help. All God's word needs is people who will listen and receive his word into their heart. Let's pray about that this morning, can we? Lord, I thank you so much for the gathering here this morning. We've come together, Lord, to hear your word. So, Lord, I pray that our hearts and our minds are just bowed before you, laid out like David says, like a drink offering, just poured out, Lord, with no boundaries so that you can fill us. Oh, Lord, come to your people this morning, I pray. May we hear your word clearly, and then, Lord, you give us the strength to act on it according to your plan and according to your will. Lord, here are your servants this morning. Your word we want to hear. We seek and we wait and we listen this morning. In your precious name we ask and pray. Amen. Well, I'm going to read you this morning some scripture because my wife says it makes no sense if I don't. And she's actually the one that, I think when we started our marriage, she said it makes no no, no sense when you do. So I'm glad for that change. We're going to be this morning in Acts 3. Uh, We're going to start with verse 1. And I'm going to read you my version here this morning. It's a little bit long, but I hope you'll read along in yours. And uh, these are God's words. You know, we've been reading in Acts uh, the last few weeks. I've lost track of how long. But in, in Acts, it's about God's church, how he makes it. And we've seen in these first two chapters how God started it. And what we're going to see here going into chapter 3 is how God's church faces the world alive while we're still in it. But again in verse 1, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering in the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, and walking and leaping and praising God. We got any dancers here this morning? Yeah, okay, good, good. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate 
And when he had decided to release him, but you denied the holy, righteous, and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man his perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance and did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all of the prophets that the Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the, from the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring and all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days, you are the sons of the prophets. And of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Oh, may God add blessing to the reading, to the reading of his word. What we've been doing these last couple of weeks, I hope you've gotten it. That it's about how God's church is to be made. How God made his church and planned it. How he started it. Mm. How he started it for all of those who believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. That Jesus Christ was died. He did die. The offense of the cross to all who don't believe. But Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by God himself, and he conquered death for you and me. Oh, if you believe that, amen. it's okay to say amen. Thank you for that. Um, God's power established the church of Jesus Christ, the Christian church. And you know what? And as he said, Jesus said to Peter, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Here we are in the world, and our fight is not against flesh and blood, is it? Mm-hmm. The gates of hell have been trying to prevail against the church ever since its inception, ever since God started it. And he's doing everything he can to cause confusion with regard to the gospel anyway. <laughs> this book of word study in Acts has been called the Acts of the Apostles. I think it should be the Acts of the Apostles through the power of Jesus Christ. It's actually the Acts of God, isn't it? So the first two chapters have been about God's starting the church and getting it going. And his power, his power in the life of the believers, ones who follow Jesus Christ. It was God's power that's done everything so far and always will. That's why I pray every time I get up in, in the pulpit, Lord, I need to get me out of the way. Use my mouth. But it's your word. And it's his power that should fill every person in here that believes in Jesus Christ. To do his work for his plan. You know, at the end of chapter 2, we're given this general description of the church that allows us to see some of the components of the church or some of the pieces that God put together to make it work. And you know what? We're, we're all such, 
Aristotelian thinkers, I'm sorry to use that, but we are. We have to put everything in a box, think everything in order, right? Now, let me tell you what, God changes the plan here just a little bit. What we're going to see this morning in Acts 3 is, that, is a picture. I love Acts because, you know, it's full of stories, and stories give me pictures. This one is a little bit different because Jesus spoke in parables. God uses that same type of teaching, I think, is a parable, but it's a real story. It's a real life. This beggar was really healed that we just read about. God does that, doesn't he? You believe God's powerful enough to do that? Yeah. I do too. I don't think he's I don't think he stopped that part of the business. One of the problems in the in the church today, the modern church, and what I would call the one that's maybe the one that's gotten a little confused along the way, a lot confused. It seems to be trying to follow you know, the latest trend for church or the latest trend to get you know, the, the big numbers you know, or whatever. Um, the truth is, is the church led by faith in Jesus Christ deals with life and living in this world individually, personally. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Is he working in your life? Yeah. Well, I'm glad we're all here together this morning because this is, this is Christ church. All the church, the stuff about the church dying, you know, I, 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 know. I, I read that 85% of the churches in the country are dying right now, according to some poll. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know what? God's church doesn't die. Matter of fact, I don't know if you have. I've read the, the whole thing. I read the end. I know how it ends. God's church doesn't die. It lives forever with him because he's God. Okay. Well, Acts 3, we get to see the church in action doing God's work by his power. I like that, don't you? Okay. That's what, that's what I want us to see because that's the way we should be, shouldn't we? It's, it's okay to say amen here when I'm preaching. It's okay. <laughs> These people that we see, are they're filled with the Spirit. And, and they're rejoicing and they're praising and they're praising God with one heart. You know, as the Bible says, in one accord. That's not a Toyota out here meeting. That's a, everybody together. You know, one accord, unified heart, praising and leaping, dancing, you know. Yeah, I, I appreciate your comment, Walt, but yeah, they dance. I, I, let me tell you one thing that's not in the script. One, one time I was, a, I was part of another denomination that doesn't dance. And someone said, hey, you're a Baptist, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And he said, you don't dance, do you? And I said, not well. <laughs> yeah. But I dance before the Lord to please him, right? Yeah, thank you for that. Amen. Okay. Hmm. These people that we're seeing back to Acts 3, they're facing the world as it is. They live in it. Everybody here living in the world? That's us, isn't it? Okay. That's why the church is here, is to help the world. That's why Jesus left us here. You know what? If we all just belong to Jesus, boom, you go to heaven, it'd be it, right? But he left us here for a reason. We're here to help the world. That's what the church does. And how do we help them? By showing them Jesus Christ. Showing them living in your life. Okay. That's why Jesus came, was to help the world. He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. To help the world, didn't he? Okay. Oh, Luke began 
Acts with this. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. All that Jesus began to do and teach. Now we're going to see what he continues to do. And you know he's doing it through right now. You know he's, his work is continuing, and who's doing it? Any hands here? Yeah, okay. Doing the work of our, our Lord. And he does it through his chosen servants. That would be you and me. In Acts 3, we see this poor, lame beggar. Mm, he was about 40 years old. And we're told in Acts 4.22 that he had not been able to walk his whole life. Now, I read the commentaries, you know, all these different doctors and how they, you know, how they say what, what caused it. I don't, it didn't really make any difference. He hadn't been able to walk since he was, he was born. And so, you know, our, our people would say he was a disabled man with congenital defects with no way to earn an income. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's the thing. There was no, uh, what do we call it? It's no Roman financial aid or health care back then. So all he had was his friends and the people in his church. So he went to the temple at the beautiful gate to beg. Now, he'd done that all his life. Let me tell you something. Beggars have been going to church to beg for a long, long time because they know that's where they can go and they can get the most attention. They're most likely to get a handout. Alms is what this calls it. So it's nothing new back then. So his beggar friends put him by the temple gate and what happened to him was just it was amazing. You know what? It was a miracle, wasn't it? Uh, and let's talk about that. Let's just stop real quick and talk about that. What, what is a miracle? Um, that's another thing. Our, our culture has taken this word miracle and turned it into something that it's not. Um, you know, you can read about it in all the comic books and see it in all the horror movies, whatever. They've redefined what a miracle is. Because let me tell you something. A miracle is something that God does. I, I wanted to, one, one of my favorite um, commentators of all time is David Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a leading surgeon in Europe and gave it all up. He became um, a great man for God, probably the, what I think may have been the greatest preacher in um, the 20th century. Um, but he gave it all up. He was a doctor, the world's greatest. The queen put him on her royal medical, whatever that thing is. And, and he's, here's what he says about it. He said, it's the name of, it's the, it's the same God who acts in a miracle as in the ordinary natural way, according to the natural laws, right? Uh, laws of nature. As a matter of fact, he says the laws of nature should really be the laws of nature that God gave. Because, you see, God is the one who made all those rules of nature, didn't he? So a miracle is when God's not bound by him, by the way. Is he? Yeah, so when God decides to do something that's not in his book of laws of nature, he's just, that's his prerogative. He can do that. That's what a miracle is. When God does it by his, his own way, God reigns. So... When a miracle takes place, it doesn't mean the laws of nature are broken. <laughs> in a miracle, God has his almighty power acting the way he wants to do it. That's why he's God. So he, here's what, he, what I like about David Martin Lloyd-Jones. He says, so, he says, I never argue with people about miracles. I'd rather argue with them about God. Yeah, that's a good way to do it, isn't it? Okay, this miracle of the lame beggar, it's a sign from God. 
God was always given a sign. We'll see it all the way through Acts. He gives a sign. But you know what the sign says? He's God. He's in charge. He reigns. He has all the power. He's the one that's in charge. That's a sign from him. You know what else I always see in signs? He's here. He never leaves us. He cares about his people, doesn't he? Okay. So I want us to look at, at, at what this sign, what the story says, and what it teaches us through an illustration as a parable. Um, and I'm going to give you a heads up. It's about the gospel. thought you might want to know that. There's this beggar. He's outside the beautiful gate of the temple, and he's been born sick. Matter of fact, he's paralyzed. He's so sick. He can't move. The first great message of the Bible is that we're all born in sin. We're paralyzed. Are we not? Everybody's born with sin. Nobody's born with a clean slate. Now, I know that you're going to, if you watch TV, they're going to tell you differently. But I dare you to ask the CNN reporter that says, oh, there's good in everybody. We just have to find it. When all he reports <laughs> is how bad man is. And everybody was born with it, were they not? Um, you know, when, when King David sinned before God, he says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Even David, the apple of God's eye. Apple means he was a target of God's eye all the time. said, I was born in sin, but only you, God, is the one who can save me. Hmm. Everybody has inherited these, these family characteristics from Adam, whether you like it or not. You know, when everybody's doing your genealogy, go all the way back to Adam. We're all related. And we all have the same genes in us, don't we? Our genes of sin. Mm-hmm. That story of humankind being created by God um, in his image and for his glory falling into disobedience because why because we wanted to be our own god we wanted to be not just like god we wanted to be our own god hmm. we want to grow past him right I don't, I don't understand how that one could ever work but here okay that's what when we're separated from god it was sin that's the separation from god right and the result of sin is helplessness because we don't have god anymore so we're helpless and you know what we're paralyzed in sin, just like this beggar that we're reading about. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this beggar, he, could, he couldn't walk, but he could talk. <laughs> I forget that CNN thing. He could talk, and, and, and he might, might even argue politics, you know? As a matter of fact, I'll bet... <laughs> This is going to hurt some of the guys here. He could probably tell you all the statistics on the great Olympians down at the games, you know. He, he, he could tell you all that stuff, but he could even hold out his hand, right? But he couldn't walk with the others. So the world considered him useless. Hmm. And where is he today? Everywhere. But i got to tell you, this one, I believe, is walking and leaping with Jesus Christ because <laughs> he, he gave his life to him. Ah. Um, the Son of God left heaven to come to earth because the people are paralyzed. And he came to give us life. 
You know, and they're all, everyone around us out there, they're looking for God. The ones who don't know him, even the ones that say that they do, but they're looking, they're seeking. And what did Job tell us? Job says, you know, you can search all you want, but no man can find God. It's a gift, the grace of God. Just like Peter and John carried it to the lame people, everybody in here is carrying that same gift. All we have to do is tell them about Jesus. Okay. They're trying, but they can't find him. Hmm. You know what? The truth is, everybody that I see, that I run into, and I run into a lot of people um, from the places that I've been, they're all looking for fulfillment in life, aren't they? They're looking for something to take away all the, whatever pain they think they have, and they're looking to become their own God to take care of their own problems. But you know what? They want to create a new life, don't they? But only God can create life. Um, I got to tell you, I asked, we, we, we got all this knowledge. Let me tell you, I don't think we need any more knowledge. All we need is this, you know, the knowledge of God. I, I did a little experiment. Let me tell this one. Last night, I, I, I went... I said, you know what, man is searching for God, but he'll never find him. He can't, right? So I said, I asked Siri, confess. I said, you know, where's God? Well, Siri's been programmed with, with, the, you know, with some answers. Ask Siri again. And, and Siri gives me another answer, non-answer. So I, asked, I kept asking Siri, Siri, just tell me, where can I find God? And you know what happened? My phone froze. <laughs> it was paralyzed. <laughs> Whoa. Right back to Acts 3, aren't we? Huh? Okay. And nobody can help. Nobody can help the people around us who are paralyzed in sin except God. We carry the answer, but we're not going to do it. Mm. You know, this beggar was paralyzed and nobody could help him. Oh, they could drop alms. They could drop off gifts at the gate when they went through, right? Hmm. And that's how the world is trying to fix things, isn't it? Their way, with their gifts, with their dropping everything. Oh, look, look at all the worldly solutions around us. They're presented in political and educational programs, and they're presented in a spectacular Hollywood show. You know, that's going to do it, right? Hmm. Uh, it's entertaining, I suppose. Um. And let me tell you what, the world all around us, all these heroes we find, they're hardworking heroes. Matter of fact, a lot of them are really professional athletes. And, and they, they've been certified by their abilities to, to, to do all these things right in the world, right? But as far as humanity's real and ultimate need is goes, they can't do it. And they never will. They can't. So this lame and helpless beggar... He's at the door of the church, and he's expecting all the wrong things, just like the world has to offer. Hmm. Peter and John are about to go into the temple, and when the man asked for alms, and listen to this in verse 4, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. Let me ask you this week. You're carrying the word of God. You're saying... Jesus Christ in your hearts. Have you had anybody say, look at me? It's hard, isn't it? 
said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, this beggar did, and expecting to receive something from them, just like so many of us in the world today, he was looking for the church to provide his needs, his alms. Hmm. Some expect the church to provide these basic, simple preaching or a, a, a moral preaching. Let's put it that way. A lot of people go to church for, for the morality of it. As a matter of fact, you know, I, I don't want to say this to anybody. Know this is red, white, and blue blood in these veins. I am a patriot. But I can tell you, a lot of people think that this country is what's going to save us. It's not. And the people who go and die for it, I am. Let me tell you what. I've, I've preached military funerals, and I weep. Because those people are out there for us so that you and I can be here this morning freely. Um, so know that too. But let me tell you what. The American flag is not going to save us. Jesus Christ is the only one who can save us. So if we're going to our country or we're going to church or we're going to any way for, for morality, um, you need to know Jesus first. That's the only way it's ever going to work. Um, some go to hear great music. I want to tell you, I was saying this morning, I, I love when we sing up here because let me tell you what, the, we're singing, it's text-driven. We also have some great musicians, but let me tell you what, it's heart-driven. Yeah, I, I want to worship my Lord and Savior, and I do it here. I hope you do too. Yeah, yeah. So some go to hear great music, with, you know, but they're looking for the sensational fog and light shows. Thank you, Ed. Uh, you know, some go for the building architecture. I got to tell you, I had, I, there's a guy that, he just planted a church here in Maryland. And I said, how's it going? He said, oh, it's great. We got these great, they're in a, we're in a, t- a theater. And we got these great seats. <laughs> really? Uh-huh. You know, none of that is what the church is meant to be, is it? Some go to church for philosophical teaching um, or a great intellectual debate. I have one of my really good friends is a professor of uh, um, apologetics. And, you know, he would argue with me a whole lot. But some even go for a psychological treatment. Uh, and even the government wants in these days. I'll tell you about that another time. Um, some think church is a place where you go to forget all your troubles. You know, I can just go and just kind of sit back in the pew and forget all this thing that's going on around me. And, you know, we're going to do some, some group cheers and, and we're going to sing some, some great fight songs for the cause. You know, those are the ones we don't sing here. Thank you for that. And, 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 and we're going to hear a great motivational speech. You know, I want someone to get up there and motivate me. And, uh, and things are never going to be. They're not, not quite as bad as they are today, and all you have to do is just believe, and everything would be a whole lot better. You know what? That's just giving alms. That's not what the church is about. It's not just a platform for, to, to build a, a government on. Um, it's not just a source for social or, or, or political reform. Um, the world's doing that by itself. I don't really think it needs any help from us. And don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that, that what we're doing here when we, we do our feeding ministry, or anything, I, I think that's absolutely right because here's the change. What's really great about that, we get to present the gospel to people. They get to see Jesus living in people. Last night I had a, had a great conversation with, with a, a man that is part of our church. Uh, I don't see him here this morning, so I can talk about him. 
he, 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 uh, he actually had an opportunity this last week to build some things. He, he's, he's unable to work, but build some birdhouses. And so he took them up to the, uh, a group, and he, when he's passing out the birdhouses, he started telling them about Jesus. He had seven people come to Jesus Christ. Is that exciting? Isn't that? Because he lives in him. And people got to see him on the job doing that. Okay. So, mm, it's not just a platform for anything that we've talked about here this morning. I think we're supposed to weigh in on all these political issues, and, and I do a certain amount of that myself, and all these issues that go on, but that's not the primary function of the church, is it? I think that's why God put it in Peter's mouth to say this, this next thing. I have no silver and gold. I don't have any silver and gold I can offer you. You're here begging at the, at the church door. I don't have any silver and gold for you. So that really begs us a question. I think for everybody that's here today, are you looking, are you going to church for the right thing? Hmm. Um, what do you expect from the, from the Christian church in this world full of violence and, and filth and a whole lot of increasing social conflict? It's increasing every day. Hmm. I don't think that the church was made for that. Um, I don't do not think that the church was built to fulfill the expectations of the world. I don't think it's equipped for it. I don't think we're ready to do anything. I don't think we ever will be equipped for it. You know why? Because I don't have any silver and gold. I can't fix any of the world's problems. Can you? So what can the church do? Okay, um, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Hmm. There's a story of the uh, of the 13th century, um, one of the popes. I don't remember which one it was. But Thomas Aquinas. You know who Thomas Aquinas was? He was great. Okay, uh, Aquinas was given this tour by the by the current pope through the Vatican. And they're tooling around, and he gives him all the, all that says, isn't this great, isn't this great? And he says, and look, no longer can we say that the church has no silver and gold because we plastered it all over the walls. And you know what Thomas Aquinas said? He said, you know, there's something else I see. And what's that? He said, we can't say rise up and walk either. Sad, isn't it? church is not here to talk politics it's not here to play music it's not here to do, give great shows or make great movies or to give philosophical sermons produce any great art or, or any of that or to provide social relief or even financial advice sorry for that the church is here by god's grace to empower his people to tell him about jesus christ Amen. because jesus christ is the only one that's going to give us eternal life You know what else? Jesus Christ is a great physician. And you know what else he offers? Cure for paralysis. That's what he did for the beggar, didn't he? He's not. You see this guy? He's not, he's not paralyzed anymore, is he? 
Matter of fact, he jumped up dancing. Yeah, he jumped up dancing and leaping. And where did he go? The first place he went to worship God, to praise God. And all these people around him, they've been throwing stuff in his, in his cup or cap or whatever he was using. You know, they come running over to see what Peter had done. And what does Peter and John say? Well, you people are crazy. You think a man could do this? Uh-uh, it's Jesus Christ. And then he tells them all about Jesus and the person that, that they've done in. Uh, how does the church do all this in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth? He is God. Mm. He came into the world. He died. He rose again. What for? To seek, to save, and to save the lost. And that's what Peter was saying. He says, listen, I'm here to talk to you, man. Listen to me. I'm here to talk to you in the name of Jesus. And you know what? That's still our message today, folks. That's still our message to tell them about Jesus. Has he changed your life? There's a change in your life from the way that you were? You know what? Do people see that? I'm not going to embarrass anybody here, but there's people here that I know for a fact have brought other people to Christ because they saw the difference in their life. You know what? Jesus works. He never stops working, and he works in our lives forever and ever. Hmm. Here's the reason. We're paralyzed with these sins because Jesus Christ died and rose again. He took away our sins, too. His promise is that if you are out there drowning in sins, if you're paralyzed in sins today, let me tell you what. Jesus can take those away forever. He promises you that he will present you before God without sin. He took all of that away. Do you believe that? Yeah. I tell you what, I'm counting on it. If we ever had a sin contest, I might be the winner. (laughs) Praise the Lord that Jesus took all that away. And he did. And he forgives us. But he doesn't stop with forgiveness. You know what? We need life. And we have new life in Jesus Christ. A new life that gives you joy. You know what? They can come beat us up all they want. They can make us feel bad. They can do all the things that they they try to do to us. But there's a joy in there that will never go away. Because it's Jesus Christ. And you know what? He's given it to us eternally. We get to have that joy forever. You know, this body, someday it may die in just wrenching pain, but the joy will never go away. Matter of fact, it's eternal. Uh-huh. He didn't stop at forgiveness. He gives us life. And this is the gospel that offers regeneration, the new life in Jesus Christ, new creatures in Christ. Um, and, and, and Peter told that man, he took his hand and he lifted him up. And that's what we do, don't we? You know, we were talking uh, here this week about some people that have had some addiction problems. And you know what? People that have addiction problems, they come to Jesus Christ, sometimes they fall again. I hope we're there to stick out our hand and pull them back up because we're all walking together with Jesus, are we not? Yeah, we are. Peter took a hold of that man's hand and he lifted him up. And I think Christ was lifting him up through Peter, Peter, and he said, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temples with them walking and leaping and praising God. That's exactly what Christ does in our lives. It's not a wish. It's not, you know, gee, I'd like to be, you know, whole for a day. 
It's not that kind of thing. It's not a wish fulfilled for just a little bit of time. And then I hope it, you know, it, it lasts. No, not at all. It, it's full knowledge of a promise from God that you've made, been made whole before God himself. You know, it, it's a walking. It's a leaping. It, it's, a, it's a shouting kind of praise that Christ has forgiven everything we have. That, that's the kind of knowledge we get. For the first time in his life, this beggar was able to walk. <laughs> the paralysis was gone. He was able to give full life. And that's the promise that's offered to you and me. And that we carry with us into the world to offer it to everyone around us. Oh, and I tell you one thing. I, I hope you didn't miss There's one important word here that I kind of ran over. It's the word immediately. That's how Christ does it. You know, there, there's no thing where you have to work your way up, and there's nothing where you have to go pass any tests. I'm sorry for all of you educators, and there's a lot of men here. You don't have to pass any tests. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to reach a level and then move to another one. None of that stuff. You are saved now, Amen. forevermore. You're made whole before God through Jesus Christ now. Now, you may have to work out that salvation, but you work it out with fear and trembling. Know that you're already saved forever and ever under Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the invitation. It's all grace it's the gift of God it's the action it's the work of the risen Christ of Jesus Christ there's no work that you have to do except follow him he doesn't require anything from you except that you see your need and you give it to him let him be lord of it those who are well I love this part those who are well don't need a doctor but the sick do need one. I didn't come to call the righteous but sinners. Jesus said that. So are you paralyzed? Mm. Are you hopeless? He's life. He's that new life. And he can give everything you need. And you know what? He'll give it to you immediately. There is one condition. Peter directed his gaze at him and, and, and as did John and said, look at us. Now, let me tell you something. Um, there's someone here today that thinks, okay, I'm hearing what you're saying. And, you know, I, but I'm going to listen to you with one ear. You know, I'm going to listen to you with, with part of my brain, though, being, you know, I have a, I have a lot of experience in life. So it's kind of conditioned me to think the way the world does. So I'm going to weigh everything you say against that. Don't. Look what happened here. It said, look at us. I wish this is one time when I, I would love for us to be able to understand this. In the Greek, it actually says he looked at him, and it, it's, a, it's a word picture in the Greek. He held them expectingly, expecting something. That's the way we need to look at this. That's the way we come before God, hold him, expecting something. He delivers Matter of fact, he says, I'll never leave you and I'll never let you go. Never forsake you. So if you want to know all the benefits of Christian salvation, you're here this morning. Maybe you never really made that full commitment, that, that, that whole thing. Um, you have to pay attention. You have to pay attention to what God's word says. If you listen to the gospel with your own ideas, it's not going to work. You're going to have to listen with just God, what God puts in there. Um, he said, look at us. You know what? We need to be in a position of desperation. 
Uh, have you ever been desperate? Uh, yeah, I, I see a, I know that. You don't have to say anything. <laughs> Testimony another time, okay? <laughs> you know, yeah, a lot of us have been desperate. As a matter of fact, I hope every one of us have been at a point of desperation because the only one that's going to come to us and save us is Jesus Christ. That's the way we need to come before him as desperate people. We have to abandon everything. And as he says, look at us. Look at him. Look what this beggar did. He's still lame. He turned and he looked. He focused all of his attention on them. Because they said they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were. And they gave it to him. Jesus did that. Jesus empowered them to do that. And they were. And then he heard and he received the word that took away all of his paralysis. You know what? I think he's still dancing today. Do you? I think he's still leaping. I, you know, I, he's not bound by time anymore. Today, I stand before you, a sinner, saved by grace, saved by my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what? That's more than I ever needed. He's given me more than I ever needed. Some of you know a little bit about my testimony. There's been a time in my life when I thought I had everything you could possibly want in this world. But I didn't. I was a poor beggar. And Jesus Christ has provided everything that I ever needed in him. Praise the Lord. It's him and him only. If you've turned away from the world and you've given your life to Jesus Christ, as you're going into the world, leap. Let them see him, will you? Offer what you've been given, what Christ's been put in your heart. Show them, Jesus. You know what? Not everybody's going to respond. But the ones that he's chosen to respond then will. And you know what? I'm with Charles Spurgeon on this one. He said, I don't know who they are. So I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ that I know and love that's in my heart to every person I see. I'm even going to be preaching the gospel to the man who has already leaped into hell. I'm going to hold on to his ankles until I can hold on no longer. We keep preaching the gospel by living it. We're in this life with the gospel of Jesus Christ living in us. Are you there? Will you share that? Will you share that? Just let people see it. You don't have to go out and pound a pulpit. I'm glad we have a music stand. You know, I, you don't have to go out and pound a pulpit. You don't have to do any of that kind of stuff. Let them see Jesus in you. You know, Peter said, always be prepared to give a reason for the, for the, for the hope that lies within you. You know, I, I think that, that means they're going to come, so you better be prepared. And that doesn't mean you have to go and, oh, wait a minute, here's my track, or let me leave this with you. Or, tell them about Jesus in your life. That's all that's necessary. You don't have to have some giant miracle. You don't have to be a, a lame man or anything. Because Jesus has given you a new life, has he not? Let them see that. You know, and, and matter of fact, you can say, look at us. We're sinners just like you are. I don't know about you. You know, I, I still have things going on in my life. I'm with Paul on Romans 7, too, you know. There are, there are, thank God for Jesus Christ. Thank God for chapter 8. <laughs> you know, Jesus Christ is the one who saved us, and we are saved forever and ever. Amen? Amen.
Let me tell you what, if you're, you're paralyzed by the world, if you're trapped, if you're one of those here this morning, you've never, never done that, you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, he'll come in immediately. He'll make you a new person immediately. Promise. Um, and let me tell you what, there's a lot of sinners sitting in here this morning around you, if you're one of those people that have been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, who will share their testimony with you. So here's what I say to you, and I'm going to quit. Look at us. I have no silver and gold. But what I have, I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. Walk with him. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you so much for the salvation that comes from Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, Lord, into us, sinners. Lord, you've given us reason to leap, to dance no matter who we are, in you, praising you, Lord. Lord, that joy which you've given us, oh, Lord, I pray that we don't keep it contained in us. But like this beggar, Lord, who's had you come into his life, may we show that joy that we live with. To all around us. May they see Jesus in us. Lord, for your glory, for no one's glory, but you and you alone, you be praised and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.